welcome to Entrepreneur Conundrum with Virginia Purnell, where growing entrepreneurs share how they get visible online. Hey everyone, today I'm talking with Jack Jensen about how he helps companies grow and scale. Jack is an entrepreneur and growth hacker. He is the founder and CEO of Remojo, a multi-platform app helping conscious adults gain freedom from modern digital addictions such as porn, gambling, gaming, and social media. Welcome, Jack. Hey, Virginia. Nice to be here. Thanks a lot for having me. You're welcome. So I am excited to talk to you today and to find out more about this amazing journey that you are on. So can you start off with like, how did you get into the entrepreneurial space or what kind of got you here? Yeah, so I think I've always been entrepreneurial, certainly from the age of sort of 15, 16. I think what really planted the seed of inspiration was actually, I think you guys have this over in the in the US and Canada, but it was the show of The Apprentice. We have like a British version of the show of The Apprentice that I saw when I was 15, 16. And I wasn't living in London at the time. I was living in the north of England uh, in a town called Newcastle. And I remember that first series of The Apprentice came out and I was, it was in London. It was about business entrepreneurship and it just like lit a fire in me. It hasn't really gone out since then. That was 15 years ago. So it started out what seeing that and thinking, one, I've got to move to London and two, I've got to make it in entrepreneurship. And so I, I went on to university and then in my final year of university, you know, I already had an idea for a company. So as I was planning my studies for my final year exams, I was like, hmm, this is quite a sophisticated project that students have to manage here. And so I ended up coming up with this like, project management software idea for students and tried to raise money for that at 21 straight out of university that didn't really work because I had no skills and experience whatsoever and I was asking for a huge amount of money to develop software blah 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 and and so that didn't really go anywhere so six months later I was kind of I was out of cash I was like 21 and a I was 22 and so I got a banking contract to just kind of uh, restock my finances after that six months trying and, and then within three weeks, I was sat next to the guy I was sat next to shared an idea for a business that I thought was pretty good. So what we would do is we would work nine to five together at the bank. And then we would go and sneak into the business school where he was still a member from university. And we would work on this business idea, which was a search engine for what in the UK is, are called graduate schemes, basically jobs that you get straight out of university at good companies. And so... We were working on that from 5 p.m. till 11 p.m. at night in the at the business school, and we we built that. We built a complete database of every graduate scheme, internship, and placement in the UK. We offered it to students for free, blah blah blah. And then this co-founder of mine couldn't hack it. His girlfriend was pulling him to London, and he quit and made the whole thing for me at the time unworkable. Me now could do it. But me at 22, I couldn't do it and I shouldn't have given up, but I did give up. And I actually realized that was a huge mistake because like three, four, five years later, there were like five successful companies doing that in, in the UK alone, just doing exactly what, what we've been building. So that was actually like, that was a really important lesson for me as well, which is like, you've got something that people are interested in. If you've got something that people are really interested in, don't give up. If people aren't interested, give up you should take quitting very very seriously and almost never quit 
So that, that was a key lesson as well as from the first idea, not having any kind of skills or experience as a foundation. After that, I had a, a break from entrepreneurship. I was a professional poker player for two and a half years after that, which was on my sort of dream list of things to do as well. So I thought, well, I'm broke and I, I don't have anything going on right now. So now's the time to do that. So I did that for two and a half years. I got kind of tired of that. The market was contracting, like poker was drying up by 2015. And so I was like, okay, I'm ready to go back to entrepreneurship. And, but this time I want to do it, do it right. And I want to have a foundation of skills and experience to build upon, right? And then you can hire all of your other weaknesses, but if you've got no strengths at all, it's very difficult to get something going, right? So I chose marketing and growth as my foundation. And I started, I got a job in marketing and then very quickly rose through the ranks, went freelance, was head of marketing at two startups simultaneously, doing really well, got amazing results there. And then the last step in terms of getting to my journey here, like my, my, the destination where I'm at right now is had great success with freelancing and marketing kind of mastered the field somewhat because I was working in it for three, four years and basically got amazing results at these couple of startups and quite a lot of money and got a bonus at the end of the contract for delivering on the growth targets. And so I had more cash than I'd ever had before in the bank at that point. And I had the confidence, I had the skills. And so now I was like ready to bet on myself. I started an e-commerce store around a passion of mine, which is art, specifically Japanese prints. And then I also invested in the MVP for Remojo. So I started building, I self-financed the creation of the, the early app, which was to help guys quit porn primarily. That's cool. It's interesting, the things that we learn along our journey. And even though it's like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. But you learned so much, right? Like, I think you're better off, like, higher where you are now than where you would have been if you, let's say, had taken over when your business partner left with that job placement company. Yeah, well, I think that I think something is really important for entrepreneurs is to reflect continuously and regularly. So basically, if you don't reflect, you will only learn from mistakes made repeatedly or even, you know, like, you know, traumatic events. But what I like to do is I reflect on every week on a Saturday or Sunday morning with coffee just for half an hour and just like think and just see what comes out and reflect. So you don't tend to live with many illusions or delusions. If you do that every single week, you tend to figure things out very quickly. And then the other thing that I do is I reflect on every project when it's over and I reflect on every year. So I find that like over the course of 10 years, that adds up to a lot of insight into like why things went well, why they didn't work. And I, I really like every time something fails, I, I learned from it. I, I learned a lot from it. And so the result is that like 21 to 25 was a bit all over the place and a bit of a mess. But then 25 to 30 was like really successful. Pretty much everything I've done for the last five years has worked and been a success. And I think a lot of that comes down to regular reflection. So who is kind of like your ideal avatar for Remojo? Yeah, so we have, we actually have about four or five potential uh, customers that really love us. So there's two things we help guys with, right? So we help, essentially we help religious people live in line with their values. So you have Christians, Muslims, Hindus, all of those guys have, and religions have 
basically zero tolerance for engagement with pornography. And so the fundamental value proposition for Remojo for, for them is helping them live in line with their values, right? So it doesn't matter if they're watching porn every day or if it's, you know, Muslim or Christian guy who watches it every six weeks. It's a big problem either way. And so they use Remojo to quit, right? So that's what we provide them. And then we also have non-religious guys who maybe their consumption of porn has, has gotten excessive and is starting to create problems in their sex life, in their relationships, in their marriage, or even just like in their focus and attention. And maybe they're becoming hypersexualized or they're just, or just somewhat compulsive and they, they want to quit. And, and so we're there for those guys that want to either break free from addiction, compulsion, a bad habit, or just like, you know, a mild habit that they just they just would rather move on from. So there's quite a broad continuum of people that we help. But what we do have is we have a brand that appeals to non-religious and uh, religious users alike because we make it positive. It's not about addiction. It's not about shame. It's just a positive growth-oriented step, step up in, in terms of living better and improving your relationships and engaging with life. And then we also have a product that works for both religious and non-religious users. Our non-religious users tend to be much younger. They tend to be Zoomers under 25s who've grown up with instant access to pornography from the age of 10, 11 on their smartphones. And so they've developed some kind of habit by the time they're an adult. And that is unfortunately the majority of men now under 25. You know, they've, they've been watching porn from the age of like 11 and they have some kind of habit by 18, you know? Yeah. It's sad how much it can affect life in multiple areas. So what do you guys do to get in front of those gentlemen? Yeah. So we have, in terms of our marketing strategy, we are doing a search. You know, the first thing is, I think from a marketing strategy perspective, what I would always advise everyone to do is you want to be everywhere for people that are searching for your product, right? So if someone's actually searching for what you do, they should not be able to avoid your brand and your product, right? So the first thing is maximize search coverage. So, you know, we're doing Google ads, Bing, Google Play Store search, Apple Store, Apple search ads for the App Store. And I'm not sure if there's any other search channels, but and, and then just organic search as well. So, you know, we've got five search channels going and that's where we're really focused. The next step is you set up remarketing. So we do search, we max that out. Then we set up our remarketing and retargeting strategy. And then you want to get the bottom of funnel working well for you. So when you're acquiring customers or users, you want to optimize the conversion rates on, on your, your website or your app store listings. And then conversion from, you know, whatever the next meaningful step is. In our case, it's subscribers. So we want to go from install to subscriber and then convert from free trial to paid and then from paid to repeat customer. So really dialing all of that in and making sure that the, the user experience and the customer journey is really as good as it can be. So you get really great metrics. And that is generally, that's the core of, of growth for almost any business. When I, If I'm consulting, if they don't have that set up, that's always where you start. And you will generally be able to get more growth than you expect by just, if you really do those things really well, you will usually have a successful business and then you pour fuel on the fire with the top of funnel stuff which is when you start running 
your ads on, you know, we're doing Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, we're doing Reddit ads as well. And, and then PR, right? So PR and PR brings your acquisition costs down because free traffic. We, we've got a unique advantage in the fact that we're new, interesting, taboo and positive. So people will just kind of write about us for free. But, you know, I do think that having a business with a real positive purpose will get everyone rooting for you and helping you out. So when you're choosing, if you're thinking about what to do as an entrepreneur, choose something positive because what you have is the world will want you to win instead of pushing a boulder uphill trying to sell something that you're focused on selling. But really, you want to do something that the world is desperate for. And what you'll find is everyone just comes to help you make it happen. So true. Thank you for sharing that. So to switch it up a little bit. So what are some of your big goals that you're looking to achieve in the next year or two? Yeah, so our goals are around a few different things. So primarily like we're starting to track impact. So we want to maximize our impact in terms of sort of lives changed. So we actually have started quantifying that properly. We're setting up a dashboard this week that tracks the impact in terms of milestones and success that people are achieving through the program. So not just looking at commercial metrics around sales and stuff, which are very, very important for me personally, but we also want to track impact and maximize that. Then in terms of the business and the company, so we have, you know, as an entrepreneur, I have funding and valuation goals, right? So we're looking to set up a series A in the next sort of three to six months and bring in something like anything from five to $15 million for 10 to 15% of the company. So we need to hit certain milestones to set that kind of thing up. You know, typically these big VCs that, that make these kind of investments, they're looking for a million a year in revenue. And so we're pretty close to that. We're at about 700, 800,000. So we just got to push a little bit to get into that million a year range. And, and that should unlock interest from top funds. And so I want to raise, yeah, five to 15 million Series A from a AAA fund. That's one thing as an entrepreneur. And, and then on the growth side, what we're looking to do is really, you know, our long run plan is, I, I think the potential we have is probably 150 to 200 million users. I think we have, that's the kind of size of the market that I think are interested in this. And so we want to help as many of those people as, as possible. And I think over the next like two, three years, we want to get into that sort of bracket. So about 150 million guys quitting porn with Remojo. And I think honestly, if 150 million guys quit porn, I think the world will actually be quite different. I think it'll have a meaningful impact on the world. And then in three months time, we want to launch it. Yeah, I think so. I think life will be better for those guys. I think it'll also be better for ladies around the world as well, if guys get off this stuff. So there's that. And then, yeah, we're looking to to launch a version of take the principles behind Remojo and the framework of behavior change and apply that to gambling, social media, and compulsive gaming as well early next year. You're just looking to change the world for the better, aren't you? <laughs> Pretty much. Which is awesome. And it's great to see how much you want to help the other people and not just in like one addiction area, but across different channels as well. Yeah, I think, well, what's interesting. So what I've learned about addiction and compulsion is that basically it's just whatever comes along for people at the wrong time and is readily available. So basically people have some kind of problem in their life, right? They have an emotional problem. They try, they use some external stimulant to deal with it as a coping mechanism right? And it's whatever's to hand. So somebody could have a go through a breakup, for example, and it just depends what, like, let's say they're in a, a bad emotional place. They go through a messy breakup. They're really hurt. 
to feel better, what they do is they could reach for cigarettes, they could reach for alcohol, they could reach for porn, they could reach for gambling, you know, whatever it is, whatever they choose, if it has the potential to hook them and they, and they go too far, they'll get hooked. And so all of these things are actually the same in a way. They're all hooks. They're all like hooks that you don't want to let into your life when you're vulnerable. And so, yeah, I think that that that's been one of the biggest insights I've had about the actual problem itself. And so I think that the principles of getting out of the hole are also roughly the same. So what gets you in the hole is the same, but then also the principles behind what gets people out of the hole are the same. And so I think we uh, as a company are going to be we sort of uniquely positioned to actually help people with these digital behavioral compulsions because uh, we have something that really works for people. And that's pretty cool. I'm going to switch it up just a little bit. What's the best advice that you have ever received? Oh man, that's a tough question. So my ex-girlfriend, she, we're, we're sort of best friends now. So we're, we're still really close. But so she said something about six to 12 months into our relationship, which is that she, I was working on some business idea at the time and I was talking to her about it and I was going to give up on it. And she said, you always give up. And I was like, what? That's not how people I would think of myself. And that's not how people that know me for years would ever say, that's not something they would say about me. They would say like, Jack's like unbelievably diligent, committed, whatever. And I was like, huh. So what she's seen in the last six to 12 months looks like someone who gives up too easily. So I, th I thought, I don't feel like it's fair, but obviously that's what she's seen so far. And so I thought, well, right. Okay. I've got to change this. So I basically just said, I set the criteria for giving up to just be on anything to just be really, really high from that moment. And I think that feedback about not giving up so easy was actually the, the best thing because I'm trying to remember if I said this off camera to you or whether I said this on, on, on the podcast before already, but I think fundamentally, if you've got something, not giving up is the most important thing. The problem is, is that some people get attached to what they have and actually no one wants it and they should give up. But, but if you've got something that is getting positive feedback and people really want, you should set the bar just crazy high for giving up. It's nice how even though that feedback hurt, like you didn't take it, let's say personally or end up doing like nothing with it, but you took it and then you used that to help you positively in the future. Like you took it and ran with it. Yeah, I think that because the thing is, is like when people give you feedback, almost no one's trying to insult you ever. They're, what, what they're really doing is they're just sharing what they see. What they see is actually my fault. So even though I think that, it might, that was an unfair thing at the time, I was thinking, well, I must be giving off that impression. So, you know, I know what the truth is, but I need to, I, I clearly need to live it more vibrantly because it's not coming across. And so... Yeah, I think, I mean, that's one thing with it. Like almost everyone has good intentions with that, with advice. I think on, on the topic of advice, especially for entrepreneurs, I think advice is really dangerous, right? Because all kinds of people think they're an expert on business. Pe generally people who've never ran a business, they're giving you all kinds of advice and they haven't got a clue. So basically like one of my friends, the advice he gave me on Remojo a year ago was don't try and raise money. What you should do is try and make it profitable. Just run it on part-time, you know, just 
just see, just cut the costs. He said, he's like, cut the development costs. You're spending too much because I was investing $7,000 a month of my own money in the development. He's like, cut the cost. That's crazy. See, if you stop the development now, what happens? Do you get customers? Do you get users? See if you can make it as efficient as possible. And then, and then look at it in three to six months and just do it part-time. Right now, thank God I did the complete opposite of that because that was the worst advice imaginable. And this is a smart guy, really smart, who works in investment. And but he's never ran a business and he's never started a startup, so he actually doesn't know what he's talking about. And so I think when it comes to the topic of advice with entrepreneurship, the key the key point is incredible voices. So only take advice from people that are top level experts in their field. Right. So with fundraising, I have my two biggest investors who. I basically don't make any decisions without calling them because they've seen tens or hundreds of funding rounds. They've coached tens or hundreds of entrepreneurs through the same process that I'm just doing for the first time. And so I will, I don't do what they say, but necessarily, but I will get advice on that because they're credible references. And I won't take investment advice from almost anyone else. It's me, and my top two investors. And that's basically it. That's those, you know, that's keep a small circle there. And I would say likewise for other aspects of business. So I have a good friend who is a good CEO. I'll take advice on being a CEO from her, but you know, that's it. You should only take advice from people who not only have done something, but have like done it really successfully as well. That's the other thing. You know, there's lots to learn from failure, but honestly, there's more to learn from succeeding at something. So I would say, <laughs> I would say that because then you actually know the formula for success instead of the formula for failure. So you want to talk to people that have been massively successful at, at what you're trying to do. So true. So what's your best advice you've ever given? Best advice I've ever given? I, a few things come to mind. So I, I, I can touch on a few things that I, I will advise people on. So when it comes to to growth. I think that the foundation of growth is actually products. So basically what I'll do is if people are struggling to grow their businesses, I will generally focus on the level of product market fit they have first and say, you know, we need to assess the level of product market fit you have. And then if it's not sufficient to be ready for hyper growth and and don't try and grow, you should be investing in product development and optimizing your so typically starting at the bottom of the funnel with the product with the nps with the user experience with the design of the whole onboarding activation things like that i will typically coach people to start there when they're thinking about growth and then you can get loads of growth from that you also start growing organically if you get all of that right anyway so your business will grow even without doing anything if you get those things right so i'll always like coach entrepreneurs and founders to start there in terms of you know maybe for for your audience i think another thing is like don't start a business casually you know i think that it's absolutely not for everyone it will take over your life and so you know you need to be you need to think about what the cost is and are you willing to pay that cost and and does it align with values because this is the thing if it goes badly, it's going to take almost everything from you. And if it goes well, it's going to take everything from you as well. Because when a company starts exploding, the demands on you are probably even greater than when it's going badly. So, you know, don't start something casually. Play around. Like, I think playing around is good, like just to see if people are interested in your idea or, you know, explore the problem, explore the solution that you have. But don't start a company casually. Have a timeline and and, and really commit to it properly. And I think overall, the biggest thing that I, the biggest thing I advise almost everyone on is like commitment and con, is around commitment and conviction. So this can be from employees and staff 
you know, have conviction in your ideas. Like, what do you think is going to grow the business? What do you think is going to improve the product? Like have conviction and yeah, commit to things because people like talk about, they have these ideas and commitment's a big differentiator. And, And when you really commit, you'll find that kind of the world roughly aligns around that. Uh, if you're really committed to doing something really great, then usually good things follow. But I, I think that people need to dial up their level of commitment generally and stop when you, you know, evaluate something, but then you got to stop playing around and, and kind of commit. But, and that's not casual. So you really got to think about your values, your life from a holistic perspective before, before getting involved with like starting a company. Oh, thank you. Just before we end and stuff. So do you have, you took a couple of businesses really i'm gonna say really high like on their in their marketing and and in their growth do you have any tips or anything like that to share yeah i think the thing is with marketing is the problem with marketing is that at any time you could do almost anything right so it becomes overwhelming and people's natural tendency is to do far too much so basically i think with marketing you must be strategic because there's any number of things you can do and theoretically they'll all work generally right like most marketing projects if you have a good product and you know who your customer is and you get it in front of them in whatever way or form or channel that's probably going to work for you but the problem is is that again down to commitment and conviction it's choosing that thing that you think is really going to work and then and then smashing that right and having like actual principles behind what you're doing Right. So the marketing strategy that I will tend to develop, like when I was working as head of marketing at companies would be principle driven. So I would think about what are the fundamental insights that we have about our market, our customers, what they want and the the fit between what we're offering and our customers. Right. What are the fundamental insights? Like what's the one, two, three insights that we can build a strategy around? So for example, a class tag, which is a parent teacher communication app based in New York, the fundamental insight that there was that teachers follow each other and teacher to teacher referrals are the most important thing for deciding on a platform for parent teacher communication. And so that principle to me was like, okay, we can build our entire marketing plan around that principle where what we do is we generate teacher to teacher referrals in as many ways as possible and as scalable way as possible. So for example, and we even created that effect by getting testimonials. Our, our ads were just testimonials from other teachers. So it was essentially a teacher-to-teacher recommendation, but at scale. And then we did teacher-to-teacher recommendations in the form of influencer posts. And then we did referrals through the app. We had all kinds of ads that were like video testimonials, static testimonials from teachers. I'm trying to think if there's, a, if there's anything else. I can't remember off the top of my head, but just fundamentally that one principle shaped our entire communication strategy. And then we were able to just invest in these things. So I think that you have to have a couple of principles around what you're doing to limit the number of options and, and actually get some clarity because with marketing, you can just do anything and everything, right? Like theoretically, I could get hundred users for my app by just walking around London, just telling people about it, you know, like could do that. That would work. People will install it and probably pay like some proportion that would work, but we don't want to do that because that's not scalable and it's not leveraging any principle. So principle driven strategy and being very, very selective and focused about what you do is really essential to marketing success. So true. Thank you for sharing that with us. No worries. Is there anything that I haven't asked that you would like to share? Oh yeah. So the other thing is like a lot of people, the, the question of funding, right, is very difficult for entrepreneurs, right? And like how to think about 
funding and how to, you know, what to, should you invest your own money? Should you invest other people's money? Should you be bootstrapping? What should you be doing and, and when? And I think it's a difficult question, but I think what I've learned is in general, the best approach is, so people struggle because they try to raise external funding too early or they go too long without raising external funding, right? So the sweet spot is actually setting yourself a small but meaningful cap on your own investment, right? So you want to self-finance at the beginning because if you raise funding at the very beginning, people are going to ask for 20, 30% of your company for like, 100k and you've just done yourself in on day one so i think you know you want you want to self-finance things at the beginning set a hard cap for yourself say i'm going to invest 5k all the way up to probably 20k depending upon if it's like if it's e-commerce or consulting you can just invest like 5k of your own money if it's tech you're going to need to invest 20 25 30k of your own money to get it going but the rewards are much greater with tech, so it's worth it. You want to set a hard cap, get rolling with your own cash. So you keep it keep it tight at the beginning and you're not wasting money. And then you want to look at maybe like friends, family, connections that can help you out with tens of thousands, like in the 20 to 50K range to like just really validate what you've got from your initial investment. And then you should start raising external funding and limit your own risk taking financially, Right because there's no need. You should just share the risk with people who've got excess capital that what you don't realize is money sitting in people's bank accounts is actually a problem for super wealthy people and they need to get rid of it. So once you actually have something, you can actually solve a problem for them, which is that they're desperate to give money to good entrepreneurs. And it's actually very easy when you've got something that's validated to raise money. You'll have a queue around the block if you've got something that's working. So at that point, it's best to limit your personal exposure and and take on external funding. And the, the reason people struggle is they think investors will put money in to get something going. But actually what it is, is you've got to get the thing moving and, and spinning, let's say, like I imagine one of these uh, wheels in a playground, you've got to get it spinning. And then what an investor will do is they'll come along and they'll say, okay, so for 100K, 150K, I'll just give it a little swipe with this capital and it's going to spin faster right? But you've got to get it spinning. They're not going to give you money to get it spinning. You've got to get it spinning first, and then they'll put money in to accelerate it. And so people struggle with fundraising because they're trying, they're going to investors, asking the investor to start the business instead of asking the investor to accelerate the business. And so in terms of fundraising, that's like a quick overview of how to think about your first first few steps. That's like your first year, basically, that will cover your first year of business, that advice. Thank you. Sure. So where can we go to learn more about you and what you do? If you want to connect with me personally, it's Jack Jenkins. You can find me on LinkedIn. And then in terms of our company, so yeah, our core product and, and brand at the moment is Remojo. So it help, we help conscious adults, generally men, but conscious adults quit porn for good. And you can find out more at remojo.com. You can sign up and uh, you get a free uh, three-day trial to see how the framework and the product and the apps work for you and if you like it. And after that, it's if you're in Canada or US, it's $5 a month, or you can even get that down to $4 a month if you pay for an annual plan. So we've made it super affordable. Everything's included. You've got everything you need to actually quit porn and just you know get a lust for life and for your partner or to find a new partner in the real world and actually connect with real people so you can get that area of your life handled for like four or five dollars a month and it's got uh, everything you need so you can block pornography you can stay accountable it's got an anonymous community 
It's got in-app courses. We drop courses to help with all kinds of things related to your sex life, dating, uh, habit change, freedom from addiction, and so on. And yeah, it's a great tool and it's getting better every month. And so you can go to remojo.com. It's available on Android, iOS, Mac, Windows, everything. Awesome. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Have a great day and we'll keep in touch. Okay. Thanks a lot, Virginia. Pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and leave some love through a review. And I'll catch you on the next episode.